listener exclusive. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition. My name is Charlie Clawson and this series is called My Club. It's a series all about fandom, about the clubs we love and sometimes hate. And my guest today is uh, the returning Adam Zwa. We did a series of My Club a couple of years ago in which you talked about your beloved blues. And I was keen to get you back on as my first guest of this new series because I find Carlton's year the most intriguing to analyse because was it the worst best year or was it the best worst year? Everything about them on the surface was great. You've got a Brownlow medalist, you've got a Coleman medalist, you've got all these like young stars being unearthed, you overcame injuries, but ultimately you still fell short. So what's your take? Well, I was. it was interesting that you mention it in those terms. I think that's really well put. I mean, is it the best worst or the worst best? Probably both. With a little bit of distance, it's the um, best worst. At, <laughs> as I was, as I was kind of uh, in the throes of that 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 final game against Collingwood, it was definitely um, worst best. I guess it was just it was <laughs> that that was really heartbreaking. And we've discussed this before that it's very hard to actually separate your own life from the life of your football team. And it's, it's like, are you? You take it personally. You take it personally, and it's like. It's such an absurd concept because we have no control over this at all. I mean, we're just fans and we, you know, it's it's a really silly thing to do to actually base your own happiness on the fortunes of your football team. Why can't I actually just like put the football team to one side? I can't. It, it actually permeates every part of my life. So now I'm, I look at the season. I, I start to get optimistic around this time of year anyway. I mean, even if we yeah, won the Wooden Spoon. Of the year. Exactly. You know, they will come so back. Good. They're all tan. They look good. They're all know. training the house down, training up the, the track, best PBs they've ever recorded. So-and-so won the time trial. <laughs> you should have seen his time trial. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> she like, fucking hell. That. By round 20, that doesn't mean anything. Um, yeah, so it's yeah, they're all training the house down. We've got. You know, Voss is smiling. It's all looking great. But I, I definitely feel cursed, and I, I think we've discussed this on this podcast before, <laughs> the um, the John Elliott curse, and you know how I, I was in that writer's room with Adam Briggs, who's an Essendon supporter, and he brought up he brought something up about Carlton and, and the curse, and I said, oh, no, no, I brought up the curse, and he said, um, how do you know about the curse? And I went, what are you talking about? Every every Blues fan knows about about the curse that, you know, some Indigenous people put on the Carlton Football Club, particularly John Elliott. And he goes, ah, oh, that was my auntie in Shepparton and she did that. And I went, oh, right, is there any way we can we can undo it? And he went, fuck no. <laughs> I thought of you in that moment, that story, because when I watched that Collingwood game, this played out one week earlier with Melbourne and you would have thought that in the, <laughs> like in the intervening week, all you would have trained was how to protect the lead. But then they did it again. And after I saw them do it, because I didn't actually watch the Collingwood game live, but, you know, we've got a bunch of mates who are Carlton supporters. So I was just watching the chat blow up with just like screams of anguish and stuff. So 
I watched it knowing what the result was going to be. Yeah. And even then in that last quarter, I was like, I just can't, the position that you were in, it's like, I can't possibly see how they're going to lose this. It was, it was, and that's why I thought of you because at yeah. the end I'm like, well, this is clearly, this is beyond the mortal plane. Mm. We are dealing with supernatural forces. Yeah, it's, it's Adam Briggs' is, is, it's his auntie. His auntie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying to entice Briggs onto the podcast, so maybe, maybe I can pressure him into 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 lifting the curse, or pressure his auntie into lifting the curse. And I'll call in. I'll call yeah. in. Just I'll play a, the clip. Uh, <laughs> mate, yeah, exactly. I, I just it, it was just one of those. It's just one of those things. I mean, look, you know, we, we talk about the clubs we hate, it, and I don't. I don't hate any clubs. So I really don't. But I, I do dislike Essendon. Like, and, and people's hating of Carlton, and I understand where you come from with that as well. I, yeah. I, I, I get that. We must look like a pretty obnoxious team from the outside. So I've, I don't want to repeat myself on this podcast, but but I am going to repeat myself. This is not what we signed on for, Charlie, you know, in, in the early 80s. <laughs> no. There's no way you guys could have seen this coming in the 80s. It was just no. like rivers of gold as far as the eye it could see. Who, who could have seen this coming? But the, the 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 deliciousness of it from an opposition supporter is just the tease. My dislike of Carlton, you know, stems from the eighties when you were the dominant, and but it was also it was it was both the teams, the players, and the administration and the club and what it represented. But now that's all gone. I actually mm. genuinely love Carlton as a football team. I love watching them. I love Michael Voss. You know, the only lingering kind of resentment is what that club represents. And so the joy is not in seeing an upset Paddy Cripps or, or Charlie Kernel, who I love watching play, but there is some joy in seeing those middle-aged white guys get so close to joy and then being disappointed again. I think that yeah. that is the schadenfreude that has been enjoyed by the wider football community. Yeah, especially from, you know, especially from St Kilda and Bulldogs fans, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. I you know, I can imagine I can imagine that. I want to say that I hope Carlton fans and the club have learned the lesson of karma. Mm. You know, I remember a few years ago the whole the whole thing was let's bring the arrogance back, let's bring the yeah, swagger right. back. That that was the thing, you know. And it's like <laughs> and we suffered again and again. And and now hopefully we've learned there is a spiritual equilibrium going on. And so let's hope they've learned that fucking lesson. That's yeah. really important to me that they've learned that lesson because that's why you hate us is because we were dickheads. We were, we won badly. And I don't want us to win badly in the future. I think it's wonderful that we've got people like Paddy Cripps in the leadership role, who seems like a decent human being. And 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 hopefully that's kind of and, and Vossi does too. And hopefully all that permeates down, you know, down through each level at the club. Yeah, from an outsider's point of view, my three sort of takeaways from Carlton's year, the three positives, because we don't we don't want to linger on you not making finals as hilarious as it is. <laughs> <laughs> but A is the rebirth of Paddy Cripps. I mean, who doesn't love watching Paddy Cripps? And Carlton supporters will deny it, but there was a very vocal, I don't know if it was a majority, but there was a very vocal contingent who was saying last year, trade him, he's busted up, get rid of him. And I was so glad to see him answer those critics. Second is Michael Voss. I think he's great. You know, I would have taken him at the Saints. I think he speaks really well. You talk about humble. That's a guy, you know, who's come from only knowing success. His first coaching stint was an incredibly humbling experience. And he seems to have genuinely grown from that, like going away and becoming an assistant and coming back. I think he's just got a great perspective on the game. And then the last one would be Sam Doherty's return. Like that's got to be one of the feel-good stories of the entire year. Yeah, so all of those three things, you know, 
the the Crips thing. Well, I never wanted to get rid of him. I mean, but it, it just goes to show how much on the outside we we don't know. We don't know anything really. I mean, we can comment on stuff, and so much as you know, it's like co- commenting on politics. We really don't know what's going on. So we're we're those people were wrong about Crips. Vossi, you're dead right. That whole kind of trajectory of like a guy who had that such, such a part of winning culture at the Lions, coached the Lions, had his pants pulled down in such a kind of dramatic way because he did the arrogant thing. He tried to top up with Favola and he got rid of a few of his stalwarts. Yeah. It was, again, we talk about karma. That wasn't good karma. But then when he went to, then he went to Adelaide and he, he, I remember the indignity of him arriving uh, for this kind of when Carlton already decided that David Teague was going to be the next coach, and he arrived and had to be part of this charade interview because Carlton wanted it to look like that they've actually done due diligence and looked at a bunch of coaches, and really they had no interest in Voss at all at that time, and they just wanted Teague, but they wanted it to look like they've, they've done due diligence. And Vossi was photographed at the airport and everything. It was very embarrassing for him, but he sucked it up. And then he came back the, the following year. And, yeah, so, look, just on a perspective of the, of the, of the year, we're playing like a proper football team now. Does that yeah. make sense? Does that make sense to all your footy people? I mean, it's like there was just so many holes in that team all the time. But now we're kind of – you could see a, a structure. You could see people playing roles and getting used to those roles. You could see a definite thought behind – you know, there's actually a kind of a uh, a thought process behind what's going on. So I am optimistic for the future and I really, you know, you, you, you hope someone like Voss does, you know, it's a great story for him. That trajectory is a film, isn't it? It's like yeah. champion, gets made to eat shit <laughs> and then comes back again in the third act. You yeah, know? that's totally right. I mean, I think the the one thing missing from that, and you're right, they are playing like a great team is, what they overcame with injuries this year, I think, has been understated, like in the long and the short of it. If it was another club, maybe like a St Kilda or, or Western Bulldogs, where people had lower expect, well, not Western Bulldogs, but a, a team with lower expectations, that would be a good excuse. Like St Kilda had terrible injuries the previous year in 2021, and that was our excuse for not making fun. Oh, we just couldn't get our best players in the park. But you guys did exceedingly well without pretty much like, what, five, six first-choice players? Yeah, available. No backline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we didn't have a backline. Yeah, and it was um, it was really shaky. But in, in doing that, we, we found some good talent. But that's very true. And then when they all came good, this is what I was worried about. When all the people who were injured for basically 10 weeks of the year suddenly came back, they just didn't have that kind of game time behind them. And that may have contributed, I don't know, mate, it may have contributed to the, the Melbourne Collingwood loss, losses. But, yeah, you're right, It was a, we're injured. <laughs> I actually said we're going to move on from those, that, those losses, but then I remembered something you mentioned at lunch the other day, which is that you were watching that final game, Carlton v Collingwood, with your wife, who was a Pies supporter. So can you just walk me through that? I think you kind of moved away from the conversation or someone had, Someone would, I know, uh, I deliberately just, extracted myself from the conversation because I wanted to hear about it on the show. Yeah, right. So so what happened was um, Amanda and I don't like watching the Carlton Collingwood game together because it's just weird sitting on the couch. Jem doesn't have a team, does she? No, she doesn't mind. Right. No, so if, no conflict. You know, so you, you, you're both Melbourne people. You've had lives before you met and she was, a, she was, she was not moving for Collingwood because she – 
met me wasn't going to like go, okay, yeah, you're, you're right, Carlton's amazing. I mean, it's like Montagues and Capulets, really. Like, you know, that that's there's probably not, maybe you'd throw the bombers in there, but in terms of like bitter rivalries, it doesn't get bigger than, than Blues and the Pies. No, I reckon, I, I think she's played, I think I've watched uh, Collingwood play seven grand finals since we've been together. And Carlton, uh, obviously, <laughs> zero. But, uh, <laughs> So we don't watch. We don't. We don't sit on the couch and watch it together. And she's. Let, let's just say, if uh, as far as you know, devotion is concerned, I'm at I'm at a hundred percent. As far as Collingwood, she, I would say she's sixty five percent. But but even so, she's got a much more sanguine view of the world, much more even headed view of the world than me. You know, which is which is which, which is more frustrating when it doesn't mean as much. You know what I mean? Like when they can just, yeah. I hate that. She knows how much it means to me. So it's a weird, so like I have to sometimes remind her when when Collingwood are playing. So, you know, so I kept it quiet. I think she knew. So I think calling. she Yeah, yeah. I think she knew what, <laughs> that was happening. But I kept it quiet because I was in London and it was around 6 a.m. that it started and I didn't, I purposely didn't set any alarm or anything. So I think I must have woken up at 7.30 and I just, she was already up, and I, I I just lay in bed and looked at and looked at on my phone just the updates. All oh, right. And but I, and so I just was sitting there and I just refresh, refresh, and just knew, <laughs> even though we we're up like I don't know how many points, but I just knew it was all. I, I knew we were going to get mowed down. I think it was almost thirty points at one stage. You came with that burst because it was all Collingwood in the first two quarters and it was like, okay, well, this, you know, looks like it's going a certain direction. And then Carlton just rallied and looked invincible. And I've got to say, like, I don't know if you've noticed this in the modern game, but that seems to be the trend of the modern game. It's a real game of momentum Mm. where, like, I feel like the first quarter is bunk. doesn't matter. If a team dominates and kicks six goals to none in the first quarter, it doesn't matter because at some point, the momentum will be rested away and then the other team can score really quickly. But it just looked like Carlton were just unstoppable, just that momentum they had. But then, so you watched on, you were just getting updates on your phone, so you haven't actually seen the vision. No, I didn't, I, I, I didn't watch it. Do you, I want just to, do you want me to describe it? Yeah, because I, I, I mean, I just didn't want to kind of sit with her and watch it. I can give you a blow-by-blow blow if you want <laughs> Yeah, so I didn't want to watch. I didn't want to watch it because I didn't want to rub her face in, a, in it if Carlton won, and I didn't want to be. I didn't want to see <laughs> necessarily see her yeah. jumping up and down. Not that she would have, but um. So I was just quiet, and then of course when we lost, I didn't. I decided not to watch it. That was the only game I ha- I didn't watch this year, and um, and like you know, but it affected me. It it really kind of um, it got to me, and it, and at, as as I said at the start of the podcast that then that starts to kind of inform where my life is at and how I'm feeling about everything and how I feel cursed. I hate that. I saw a comedian um, posted on Twitter the other day, uh, something along the lines of um, a bunch of 19-year-olds from a university I feel affection for couldn't carry a ball across the line enough times and so now I'm sitting in the basin of my house <laughs> drinking and feeling miserable while my girlfriend's asking me what's wrong. It's like that's, that's such life. a perfect summation of how ridiculous it is. It's like a bunch of young guys. Yeah, yeah. When they are young guys, yeah, too. couldn't give a fuck like, about us. We have nothing. We'd have nothing in <laughs> common with these guys if we like hung out with them in person. That's right. We invest so heavily in them. But I, 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 I what is so amazing too about you know the year that Carlton had is yeah you 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 had this kind of like 
it feels like it can be isolated to sort of like two or three. Well, there's the Collingwood game, the Melbourne game, which is sort of like a, a you know a, a, a less tragic Collingwood game. <laughs> but then the the big one, well, there's two big ones, but the big one was Adelaide. Oh, losing to Adelaide, where you were on twelve wins at St Kilda. Yeah, St Kilda, you could maybe forgive because we were sort of roundabout to on the ladder at the time. But Adelaide, who were cellar dwellers had nothing to play for. You guys are sitting on 12 wins. There's four rounds to go or five rounds to go. You just knock over this team. You lock up top eight. You can just relax. doesn't matter if you lose the next four, as it turns out. <laughs> yeah. but You're dead right, mate. But, but Adelaide played like St Kilda played. Yeah. They were really physical and we just didn't have an answer. At, at no stage in the St Kilda game or the Adelaide game did we have an answer. It didn't look like we were ever going to win. Well, no, I think I think you're being unfair. I think in the St Kilda game, we definitely played with more daring and verve, but you guys just didn't kick straight. I think you kicked something like four goals, 12 behinds in the second half. That's true, but I never felt I, – I did feel that St Kilda seemed to have a lot of answers for every question that we were asking, yeah. you know, and – and I never saw St Kilda play like – I mean, I didn't watch – I probably watched about four or five games of St Kilda, but, yeah. and I never saw them play like that again. And um, Yeah, well, that's true. I think it was our best our best win for the year. <laughs> we just happened to pull it out against Carlton. You know how – it's like the Australian cricket team. Everyone just rises, you know, it doesn't matter how how low they are in, in world rankings. They always rise against the Australian cricket team. And, it, you know, I think there's something about – there's nothing something that, that makes teams get up for Carlton because those two teams had no business beating us mm. and they and they did. You know what I think it is, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but so, you know, Carlton, Richmond, Collingwood, maybe the Bombers bring big crowds to like the G or to Victorian to Victorian grounds. But of those four teams, Carlton are the most gettable. Yeah. So psychologically, I think that would be what motivates. Because you can go, yeah, we want to beat Richmond in front of this big crowd. That'll feel amazing. But they're still Richmond, you know, or they're still Collingwood. Yeah, yeah. Whereas Carlton still bring the numbers in. So you're getting that big game atmosphere, but with an opponent that there is potential to beat. And I think that- That's a good point. You know, like maybe Frio or St Kilda or some of these teams that culturally are seen as being mentally fragile. Like Carlton never had that about them 20 years ago. No. Like it was the arrogance, the swagger that you mentioned before. But there's a fragility but, there, yeah. Yeah, there is a sense that, well, it's kind of like Richmond prior to their premiership run, you know, in Richmondy. You don't have to win, you just watch them lose. Yeah. And that's what it sort of felt like. That's right. You know, well, particularly that Collingwood game was just like every – decision that they had to make in that last quarter. was wrong. You know, like whether it was to just take a set shot rather than playing on, Mm. whether it was going the short option instead of trying to bomb it long to McKay. Like they just made the wrong decision for 30 minutes. (laughs) Every decision. And there's some bad luck as well, like just missing, you know, the ball bouncing the wrong wrong way and that kind of stuff. But, you know, it was was just, it was – it, you made me think that, yeah, curses are real. I mean, Adam must be right because there is no godly way well, that this could happen. No, that's right. That, that's right. Look, I, I mean, when you're, you're dealing with a, an amateur pundit like myself, then suddenly curses become part of the mix, whereas I'm, I'm sure a proper footy person would go would, would shout that down. Um, the other point I want to make is we we only ever play two good quarters. Right, um, for the year. For the year. Uh, you know, so th- th- I think if you push that up to, say, three quarters, if we can actually play well for three quarters, then I think um, 
we'd be in much better shape because when we're on, we're, it's amazing. It, it's 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 um you know it's really yeah. it's really great. But I, if I'm going to be an optimist, optimist and leave this podcast on an optimistic note, I think the notion that that if we can get this playing group. <laughs> Which we haven't like traded any players, you know. We've got we've just done a few minor adjustments. That's what we've done, and I think that'll just help the guys kind of get used to each other a little bit more, and and hopefully just improve that the amount of time that we we have play cohesive football in any game. Yeah, well, you kind of have done your trade moves in the last couple of years, bringing in Chera and Marchbank and all those kind of guys. So you sort of have moved the chess pieces around, and now it's time to deliver. And they really. You know, <laughs> I don't need to tell you. They really should have. Yeah. Uh, but, like, it's it's hard to see them. I don't want to – can I put the moss yeah, on? Yeah, I don't want to totally. put the moss on. But it's hard, to, it's hard to see them not making finals next yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Like, with a full healthy list and knowing with the capabilities that they've got. And don't forget, McKay was out for, like, six weeks as well. Mm. And we should talk about Charlie Kernow as well because I know we talked about it off air at mm. lunch. But that was – to me, one of the most unexpected storylines of 2022 was Charlie Kernow coming back. Like I just was convinced that they'd ruined him or he'd ruined himself, mm. that he's one of, he was a rare talent, you know, like just incredible athlete, you know, Kutafidis-like physique, could leap, skillful, all that kind of stuff, but had just done too many joint injuries to ever get back to it. And then he just comes back into the game as their second tall option and just tears it apart and was so exciting to watch. And, I mean, I still hold my breath every time he sort of like, you know, springs for the ball and lands because he's like, oh, please don't do another knee or pop out a shoulder or something like that. Yeah, so a fragile race racehorse. Yeah, well, yeah, he's like an absolute like greyhound. He's just, he's just amazing. But that must have been like... I mean, I, did you expect that he was ever going to come back or was that like a nice surprise? Oh, yeah, we've got like another gun forward that's been on ice for three years. Yeah, look, I I, I, I never held out hope. I mean, I, I thought he'd come back, but I I never really put him in a basket of like, oh, this is going to be the great hope for Carlton because I always felt that A, he was fragile and B, he just didn't seem strong enough. Whereas now he feels like he's got the strength. He's got a little bit kind of like a mature strength about him, which he didn't have two years before when when he was first playing or three years before. That three years, is, he spent building up a bit of muscle and it got a little bit of weight. And it, it was very exciting. Can I just say, I, I love Kerno and I love Kerno and McKay or Mackay. Um, <laughs> yeah, Harry or Ben, whichever one it is. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Still haven't concluded Jeez. that. Wish we had been. Yeah. I do hold my breath with those two guys. It's not like um, Kerno going back and kicking a goal. You don't feel kind of there's. You, you don't really feel that. It, it could either go. It could go either way with those. With those two, yeah. it could be just extraordinary, or it could be a massive fuck up. <laughs> and you know, I always want Harry Mackay to, to do that thing where he kicks it, goes around, goes wow. around and kicks it. He always got that. That's a weird predilection that he has for such a big guy. Is that kicking around the corner when you can just kick a joint Around the punt? corner, yeah. Yeah, like you can't do a punt. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can, but it's like it's nervous. It's nerve-wracking when he goes. He's straight in front and he's going to put your hand over your eyes. Well, we t- we talked about it on the regular two guys, one cup, about, you know, that uh, that decision for forwards to kick around the corner and then some kind of like biometric sports scientist emailed in to say, there is some science behind the control of the ball, like swinging the leg around does give you more control. In the same way, I can't remember the 
simile he used, but it was along the lines of like um, golf clubs, like something like you can, if you hit with a shorter iron or, or, or whatever, you can actually control the curve of the ball more. It gives you more than kicking it straight. It tends to deviate more over a longer distance. Yeah. Whereas if you bring the ball, okay, I'm like, I'm actually butchering it. I'm sorry if you're listening, the biometric checks. Yeah, yeah. You- <laughs> I apologize for my complete butchering of your- Yeah, I get it on a kind of a broad level. Yeah. So yeah, I, I definitely feel more comfortable when he goes around the corner. Just the, just what you mentioned before, Doherty, I, I would love to see him- um, Spend a bit more time in, in the midfield because when he, I, I think when we we're like short on a few people on a few mids, he came in and he's a bull in the midfield. Mm. So yeah, I, I think um, you know that's something that's a that's another chapter to the Doherty story. I think uh, you know I think there's some. It was really interesting seeing him uh, in the mids in the midfield. So you know I'm looking forward to that and just Voss getting the. Like Voss did change his game plan as the year un- unfolded. Mm. Uh, he had to after about round seven. All the clubs were had worked it out uh, what the game plan was, so he had to kind of a- adjust on the fly. So you know, it's another year for him. So cautiously optimistic is the phrase. Uh, Adam, I put the call out to other Carlton fans to uh, assess their their, their year. Uh, Daniel has said. I remembered that watching your own team winning is tops. Our big chance of finals was really blown versus Adelaide, and we should have iced the games against the Demon versus Pies. You agree with all of that? Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> uh, it's safe to expect finals in 2023, he continues. Would you also say that? No. No, you, you, can't, you can't safely predict anything. <laughs> also safe to expect a shitload of injuries and perhaps even from late, some late-season alcoholism. And I'm assuming David's talking about himself and, <laughs> and hopefully, hopefully not the players. Uh, Adam, before we let you go, um, the Two Guys One Cup preseason ranking system that Will and I use, which I think has now since been adopted by other media outlets, um, because we would often do our preseason predictions and we would end up with like 12 teams in the top eight and like five teams in the bottom four and like <laughs> the numbers would just be blown out. So we just make a general, there's 18 teams, there's a top six, middle six, bottom six. Where do you see Carlton finishing in 2023? <laughs> Maybe sixth. Okay, so between top six and <laughs> or, or or we just blow out and it's 12. Can you just- uh, no, it'll, it'll uh, around six, yeah. around six. It should be. Okay, so no, but so you're saying top six, middle six, bottom six. You need to pick one. Oh, okay, top six. Okay, top six. Oh no, he's put the moz on him. I've tricked him into it. That's all I wanted to do. This um, is all a ruse to get you to predict. The- yeah, yeah. So you can play this back when we come in. We, we, we win the wooden spoon. Who knows, mate? As you say, you know how you, you mentioned before about that. You know, there's someone's ahead of you by six goals after the first quarter. Then you, you're still a chance, you know. And so I think I think the competitions at a place where where everyone's a chance almost. Yeah. Uh, it just feels uh, it feels a little more open, a little bit more like rugby league where, you know, if you finish with last one year, you could still play finals the next year. It's just It just feels a little bit more even at the moment. There doesn't seem to be any dynasties. Like, I mean, Geelong were formidable, but I just don't – I think if it was the Geelong's uh, Collingwood grand final, I think it would have been a lot more interesting. I think Sydney is a yeah. – Sydney – you know, it's a, it's a false dawn what they do at, at SCG. I, I think you know on that on that small ground, it doesn't. It is no relevance to the MCG. Um, 
Yeah. So I, do, I don't know that Geelong's got a dynasty is what I'm trying to say. Okay. Well, I, lo- I love that when we tried to finish on your prediction for calling for Carlton and you just do a drive-by on Geelong and Sydney. Excellent stuff. Sounds like a real arrogant Carlton supporter with a bit of swaggers back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go Blues. And go to all those like middle-aged men like me and, and, and women like me who, who signed on for something better and ended up with this. Uh, thank you, Adam. Uh, all, all the best of luck, 2023. Thanks, mate. Thank you. Listener.